Good morning, hello, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Kevin Garber. It is Friday, the 17th of October, where we are a, um, a semi-overcast day here in Sydney, Australia, where I am. You're listening to the It's a Monkey podcast, and it is episode number 48. We are heading over to uh, almost 50 episodes of the podcast and with me is the managed flitter co-founder cto tech genius um in vancouver canada james peter james thanks for joining us thanks for having me again kevin even hopefully hopefully we didn't uh, d- disrupt the podcast too much chelsea and i with our with our antics oh uh, you you guys were great um chelsea chelsea sounded good what do you think yeah no i think i think it was a good podcast i think it went well um, so if you're listening and you don't know what we're talking about, last week, episode 47, sorry, two weeks ago, Chelsea Plowright, who, who does some bits and pieces at Manage Flitter and, and at, at sister company Melon Media, co-hosted um, with James. She was very nervous, James. <laughs> really? She was very, very nervous for some reason. And I kept on saying to her, you know, you're, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. I think people get daunted by public speaking and radio and things like that, but um you know, she's she's a smart smart woman with with uh, various interests, and uh, I think she did well. Yeah, no, it was it was a good podcast. She did she did a good do a good job, held it all together. Well, um, we have a great show coming up. We have the founder of Babylon, um, Ali Pasa, um, an interview with him. A really interesting health app that uh, allows you to access some health services very easily and uh, it was a terrific chat terrific service um, early days but um, we'll chat more about that later in the show um, and the news is coming up shortly with some interesting stories as always please uh, tweet us monkey podcast we up to james we up to nearly three thousand followers on our twitter account which is great no doing well um, we also ping out an email after each podcast, so you can subscribe on itsamonkey.com, drop in your email. We send you out an email when the podcast is live, so you don't have to think too much about it. Um, and um, you can subscribe on iTunes. So, James, let's get into some of the news this week. Of course, excitingly, um, new Tesla, Elon Musk, the famous South African um, entrepreneur. He grew up just a, just about... I don't know, 50, 60 kilometers from me where I grew up. So maybe there's something in the water there. Um, but uh, maybe I shouldn't be comparing myself to Elon Musk just yet. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's, d- he's doing some good stuff. I mean, I, I really like um, how Tesla's going. Um, they had a few very interesting announcements that came out um, um, just earlier this week. Um, have you have you read much about them? Seen much about what they announced? Um, I follow it. I'm, I'm not a big um, sort of you know car person. I'm more a tech person. But just um, if someone's listening and they're not exactly sure what Tesla is, Tesla's and it's an all electric car created by uh, Elon Musk, a, a serial entrepreneur that was um, one of the the founders of PayPal, and uh, he uses a lot of his money for interesting initiatives. Um, uh, James, I'm writing saying their models are all electric. Is that correct? Yeah, completely electric car. Yeah. So they announced this week that um, they've released a, a a brand new model called the S. Uh, no, the D Tesla D. The D. Um, sorry. Or actually, uh, sorry. The old model was yes. the Model S, and the new model. The Model S. 
yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Um, so um, it's yeah, it was really it's really cool to reveal as always. They seem to be getting um, a little bit more uh, inventive with each of the each of the reveals that um, the Tesla has. Um, so this time, he was up on stage and they had like this big robot arm lift the chassis of the car out of the stage and then sort of swing it around. So it was a really cool reveal. Um, and yes, basically what they're doing um, is they're, they're, they're bringing in a dual drivetrain, so um, basically making it an all-wheel drive, so um, previously the cars would only have one motor. Um, and the reason they did that was because if you've got multiple motors, it um, it weighs down the car and it becomes um, you know m more fuel inefficient. But apparently they found a way to actually use two motors to actually balance the load um, and somehow compensate for the weight. So you actually get even better performance um, through the dual motors. There's actually no penalty whatsoever. So it's actually a superior design in um, in all ways as as far as they see it. Um, and yeah, so it gives you gives the car a whole bunch of new uh, additional features uh, benefits as well so um, obviously being um, all wheel it helps it drive a little bit better in in bad conditions and rain and snow um, and it seriously boosts up its um, its acceleration power as well so it really becomes a super supercar um, I think can do sort of zero to 60 in I think it's like 0 0.34 seconds um, which is I, fast as some of the, the F1 cars 0 0.34 seconds but probably 3.4 seconds sorry 3.4 <laughs> seconds yeah zero that, that'd be a little bit crazy if it was 0 0.34 sorry yeah 3.4 that is um, very, very fast. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. So um, you know they're they're doing really interesting stuff um, with these cars, really innovating on them. Um, I believe there was uh, like a sedan model as well recently re uh, released. So this is sort of the the lower end of the market. Um, but obviously the 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 Model D is the the high performance version, um, the more expensive uh, luxury end, um, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's 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 quite exciting. Um, but the other really interesting thing that they they announced is hello, hello. We've lost you. Hey, okay. can you hear me now? So, yep, you're back on board. You said uh, go for it. The other real interesting thing they announced. Uh, so the other really interesting thing they announced is the autopilot. Have you have you heard about that? I, I read about their their, their radar and uh, that works in all different weather conditions, and um, I read a little bit about that. But is it an actual autopilot beyond just helping you to park? Which some cars, I know Audi and BMW, already have some of that um, the, that feature. So it does allow you to park, but it's more. Um, it's probably the best way to think it is is kind of like. Um, Cruise Control Plus, really. So basically, if you're on the highway, you can just turn it on and that's it. It just controls the speed for you. It will watch out for traffic signs, um, you know, speed indicators if the speed changes. It will pay attention to the traffic around you. can change lanes for you, just make sure it stays on the road, all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously, if there's any, um, you know, uh, obstacles up, up in front can slow down. Um, so it can't sort of do, you know, traffic street driving. You can't sort of put in a location. It can't just take you there. Um, but um, within sort of consistent road conditions, it basically takes control of the car for you. Um, so those long highway trips it will make a whole lot easier. So, yeah, it's very exciting. And Elon Musk says uh, within five to, five to six years, we'll have full automated cars where you basically can get in go to sleep and you'll wake up at your destination probably similar to like like you know airplane trips i mean airplane trips also i mean very very automated these days with with pilots mm. just overseeing and 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 uh, d dealing with exceptional sort of situations but i mean in theory they can 
do the whole trip 100% automated, it's my understanding. Yeah, yeah, no, I think they can. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's really cool. I mean, I was uh, way on a bit of a road trip myself um, last weekend and I was getting using cruise control a lot. But, um, yeah, no, I definitely definitely would have liked some sort of autopilot for the long highway trips. I think it's um, things can make a huge difference to driving, um, just that alone. Um, and so obviously they're doing what you can kind of do within current regulations as well. So I think if they pushed it too far, you, they wouldn't be able to get away with um, sort of releasing this from a regulatory standpoint either. So I think um, the I think the next generation of humans, you know, perhaps being born now, there's a very high likelihood that a majority of them will never learn to drive a car. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, it's gonna be great. At least, at least in the um, developed world, I mean, in, I think in, in, in poorer countries, it may take a lot longer to trickle through, or maybe not, if there's a disruptive price, um, you know, pr- uh, price point similar to mobile phones, that, that it, may, um, it may change things. But, um, you know, and, and the big thing with automated cars is safety. It will, you know, I know in South Africa, 10,000 deaths a year. Um, yeah. On the roads, Australia, I think, has 2,000 or so. Um, which is is pretty pretty low. They work very hard at it, um, and a lot of other countries have have pretty big issues with it. So automated cars should bring bring that right back down. Do you know, James? A few years ago, I saw a documentary on pneumatic cars. Have you? Do you know much about pneumatic cars? Mm, no, I don't know. So it was really interesting because this, you know, one of the biggest weight components of a car is the engine itself. Mm-hmm. And pneumatic cars that run on compressed air have a very, very light engine or almost no engine because there's no combustion. And t- so Melbourne markets, they use uh, um, Melbourne fruit markets. They have something that's similar to a golf buggy that um, or a forklift, something like that, that they, that they um, fill up with compressed air. So the same device that you fill up your tires with. And uh, the vehicle runs for about, you know, a couple of hours just on compressed air. And because it doesn't have any engine or combustion engine or batteries, the vehicle's a lot lighter. So it needs a lot less energy to move around. Hmm, yeah, no, it is, it is interesting. It makes sort of sense using different alternative um, engine designs could, could make a big difference. I mean, one of the things I always find really interesting about the, the, about the electric cars are just how small the, sh- the chassis is. You know, it's just like it's tiny compared to, you know, modern cars because they've got such small engines. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's very cool. The, the problem with electric cars, of course, is if our baseload energy is still coming from non-renewables and dirty fuel like, like coal, it sort of just redistributes the challenge, you, you know. But if we change the baseload energy to renewable, then it's a whole different story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think there's been lots of studies being done that show just how much more efficient um, the current um, electric cars are than um, than than petrol cars even even with the current um, uh, reliance on on coal power and everything of a lot of um, a lot of uh, generators and obviously the great thing about it is it um, that change only has to happen at the at a central location you don't have to involve sort of every single car on the road changing um, over time so progressively the you know the whole world gets a little bit more efficient um, so it makes a lot more sense to centralize all this stuff so and I saw Tesla's got a, um, you know, some charger that you can charge half the battery in 20 minutes. It's got a supercharger, which I mean, that's that's pretty fantastic. Um, and I would I would imagine that takes that takes you quite far. So um, 
It's, mm, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so they, they've got that. some interesting technology. A few years ago, there was a there was a, t- a startup. I think it was called Better Place. They mm-hmm. received a ton of funding. Um, one of the entrepreneurs, I think he might have been ex Oracle or something, but based in Israel, and 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 they rolled it out, and they had some fancy technology where you could drive up with your car, and it just swapped a battery out in 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 five seconds, and you could use this battery for ten hours, and um, and this I think last year or the year before finally folded. They just they just couldn't make it happen. Um, so it's it's good to see that Tesla's still still kicking along and 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 pushing innovation forward in cars and energy and and you know hopefully upping the game of uh, the traditional automakers the 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 Volkswagens and the and the BMWs and the Toyotas and and you know innovation in this area is very very much needed. Um, that's Tesla, James. Back onto the. The tech world, the traditional tech world, a new version of Android released this week called uh, Lollipop 5.0, Android 5.0. Yeah, so Google announced um, this week that their Android uh, 5.0, the version L, um, was going to be called Lollipop. Um, This has been a bit of speculation for a while. As to what it would be called, um, it was, its code name has been L, um, but people weren't too sure what its final name was. They then announced that this week. Um, and along with that, um, Google have announced a few uh, devices as well. Um, they've announced their Nexus 6 smartphone, um, which is a slightly larger smartphone. It's uh, six inches. Um, then they've got the Nexus 9 tablet, um, which is um, sort of iPad size. Um, and they've finally got the Nexus a streaming device so this would sit on your TV a bit like um, you know Apple TV or, or a device like that um, so yes yeah, so they've got a whole um, new set of devices kind of um, stretching across the whole sort of spectrum of uh, of you know home and handheld devices that people use these days and yeah it's all tied together with um, with lollipop which is the new operating system that um, the Google are bringing out um, the main feature of Lollipop is actually uh, the interface changes, which is uh, which is what Google is kind of dubbed material design. Um, and yeah, I've looked into this a little bit. Uh, basically, material design is their their, their new take on um, building um, interfaces. And the concept is is that you can kind of consider um, pixels to be almost like three dimensional objects. Um, you know, tied together as a material. And they basically brought together a whole bunch of guidelines as to how to design interfaces in a consistent manner um, to to make it easy and approachable for everybody to use, um, but with, with still flexibility and sort of um, life to them to, to make them enjoyable. And, yeah, this is kind of the the, the Lollipop operating system is going to be the the first real big um, system that, that deployed that, that employs these uh, this um, design language, and it's going to spread across all the devices. So it'll be on the smartphone, it'll be on the tablet, um, and also be on the home streaming device um, as well. So it's it's quite an interesting move forwards. It's uh, we spoke about this uh, new Google design metaphor a few episodes ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they announced it a little while ago, um, and the aim is was basically to get developers to start to use it for their new devices to get them a bit of a heads up. Um, but yeah, it hasn't actually really been in the wild yet, so people haven't really had a chance to play with it. And so when these devices come out, this will be the first time. The, um, the two things that um, when I was reading about Lollipop that um, I found interesting... They're 5,000 APIs, so 5,000 of points of integration and data sharing within this um, version of Android. Did you read about that? 
Yeah, that that sounds that sounds interesting. Um, I mean, presumably that would be sort of notifications and different interfaces into the device and different ways you can plug your your application into the into the the smartphone. It's definitely a big step from where we were sort of ten years ago with your you know isolated little app that didn't have any kind of interface to the device itself. That could be yeah really interesting. And they also um, comment about. Um, They've made some optimizations to the battery and to squeak another 90 minutes out of the battery life. And that's obviously always a big deal for everyone is uh, as we use these phones more and more as they, they're more energy hungry. It's, it's the battery technology is always struggles to keep up. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of battery, I think they also announced some sort of uh, turbocharger as well that um, I think it gave you nine hours of battery life in 15 minutes or something crazy like that. So, yeah, the idea is sort of if you had a meeting or something and you quickly had to rush off to, you could just plug it in and um, quickly be on your way. Yeah, it's, um, the battery life is, is, is always a challenge. What, what's the reports on the battery life for the iPhone 6? Have you heard anything about that? Uh, supposedly it's quite a bit better because the larger device now allows them to put in a much larger battery. So um, supposedly it's, it's, it's significantly better. Mm, interesting. Okay, um, that's it for news. You're listening to James, Peter, and Kevin Garber. We uh, are the co-founders of Manage Flitter. You might even be listening to this podcast while you're using Manage Flitter. Um, and we are going to take a short break. And uh, we've got to have an interview with the founder of Babylon, Ali Pasa. Um, we spoke to him um, earlier last week, and we chatted about his interesting um, health app called Babylon. He's based in the UK and um, interesting, interesting area of technology, health tech and the like. And um, we'll be back after the short break. The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by CheckDog. Use CheckDog to easily review and monitor your website for spelling errors, broken links and broken images, all with the push of one button. CheckDog can also automatically monitor your website and notify you of newly introduced spelling errors. Go to checkdog.com forward slash podcast to receive 50% off your first month subscription. Checkdog.com, helping the world's leading websites keep their content error free. You're back with Kevin Garber on the It's a Monkey podcast. And, um, those of you who don't know me, which is most of you listening to the podcast, I absolutely detest going to the doctor. I'm absolutely your stereotypical male. Everything about it frustrates me. Uh, making appointments um, that I still have to call the doctor and make appointments that I don't know, you know what the opening times are. The fact that I have to go in there and I have to wait for a doctor and then I have to see them again. The whole process just seems broken it frustrates me every single time and it probably prevents me from actually going for for checkups thankfully i'm very healthy and it, it prevents me from going for the checkups that i should be going um, for and i was very interested to see a while back an app called babylon where someone has obviously had the same frustrations but they've taken it a step further and and bundled an app that actually addresses all these issues and we've tracked down the founder of babylon Ali Parsa, thank you very much for joining us, and um, let let's chat all about your fantastic app. I'm I'm in love with it. I just uh, I, I wish you were already rolling it out in Australia. Thank you very much, Kevin. We're in love with it too. 
So, so, so tell us, tell us first the genesis of, of this app. Did it stem from the same frustrations I had? Uh, yes, uh, we, I used to run, I built a chain of hospitals in UK together with colleagues. And one of the things we found out was that actually running hospitals, we touch people in less than 5% of their interactions with healthcare. Vast majority of people's interaction with healthcare is for simpler things, is for consultations, diagnostics, seeing a doctor, getting reassurance, finding what's wrong with them on their day-to-day life. And yet they do that, as you described, in the most arcane way possible. You make a phone call, you wait a few days, you uh, take half a day off, you go to one of the most infected places on earth, which is a doctor's surgery, so on and so forth. And while that makes it expensive, inconvenient for you and I, Kevin, it makes it impossible for 70% of the world population almost to have access to healthcare. And yet all of them increasingly have a mobile phone in their pocket, and this mobile phone is becoming more and more powerful every day. Next year, it'll do twice what it does this year, and in five years' time, it does 30 times more than it can do today. And we thought, why don't we take most of the healthcare that that we know people need and we've been providing through our profession as hospital operators, why don't we take that and put it on somebody's phone and see how much of it we can deliver to them today? And that's how Babylon got created. And we were amazed, surprised, that how much of your day-to-day healthcare actually we can deliver. So thousands of people, uh, we've only soft-launched it in UK, Thousands of people are trying it at the moment, and we get nothing but five out of five from people's satisfaction. It's one of these our moments that was at it. I could make an appointment in one minute, see a doctor within 10 minutes, get my prescription within the hour, and I never need to leave my home. Um, and so, so it's been working really well, and that's how it came about. But like most things in life, you start somewhere and you build on it as you go. My question is, though, I can see the, the very compelling value for the end user, so to speak, the patients. Now, doctors, doctors are interesting people. They, they can tend, most of them tend to be a, a bit technological, um, you know, adverse to, to change. What is, do, what's their response been to um, this app? How do they benefit from this app? Does it turn their um, you, you know, practice into a more scalable practice? What are some of the benefits on their side? I'm not entirely clear how they benefit. Well, benefit for a doctor is actually immense. Uh, we employ all of our doctors and we pay them exactly what they get paid working in a physical institution. And yet they never, they don't have to leave their home, they don't have to commute, they don't have to deal with the bureaucracy of the delivery of healthcare. Our software does all the background paperwork for them. Every consultation is recorded so the patients can go back and see it. So doctors have this security that whatever they say, it's, it's there for the patients to know, doesn't need to be repeated. Uh, so we actually end up having probably 10 times more doctors who want to work for us, who've gone through our interview process uh, uh, than, than we have a need for at the moment. Um, we don't, there are other organizations in United States who kind of deal with healthcare as if it's a cab ride. It's an exchange, they open the exchange up, any doctor that is board certified can go 
and uh, and register and see any patient. We don't think that's right. We don't do that. We, for every 10 doctors that we interview, that we see an application from, we interview one. For every 10 doctors we interview, we employ one. Uh, that's because we think that quality in healthcare matters. Two doctors, no two doctors are the same. So uh, we try to make sure that we get the best we can find. So you've taken a very different approach. So you're not providing a platform. You're providing the whole value chain from the um, sort of the matching process right through to the actual provider is controlled, hired, managed, or by Babylon. Absolutely right. Look, we, we don't come from a technology background. We come from running hospitals and healthcare background. Uh, our founders are doctors, uh, hospital operators, uh, and we understand deeply. If I open the hospital, I don't let any doctor come and work there just because they have a certificate. Uh, I would make sure that we interview and hire the best people uh, we can. Uh, in the same way that you don't let anybody who wants to be a journalist to come and uh, and broadcast for you, you make sure you find the best quality people you can find. And we think that healthcare deserves more scrutiny. So that's that's why we do that. And I mean, if you wish, we're kind of like like an apple. We like it integrated from end to end. So we know what goes into the machine and how it operates. And so we can take responsibility for it. Now, if, if someone uh, uses your app to engage with the doctor and they do want to meet the doctor face to face, is that possible at all? Or is that just not part of the model? It's not part of our model. Uh, one in, uh, uh, we're finding now one in 10 times, two in 10 times, we need to refer the patient for a physical examination. In Britain, we're very lucky that every patient has their own general physician, uh, and we'll then ask them to go see their own general physician. Um, uh, and that's okay, you know, if I can uh, be safe from the, making the trip uh, nine out of 10 times, the one out of 10 we have to, I have to go, I have to go. Uh, I just recently uh, had an episode myself where I had to see a, 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 the, one of our GPs. The GP wanted me to see a specialist. Uh, within the uh, couple of hours, I then consulted one of our specialists who gave me a test. After this interview, I'm going to go and do the test. Uh, but uh, so in this whole process, instead of going uh, four or five times to a doctor's uh, surgery, I'm only going once to get my test done, to draw some blood, and then the results will come back into my app. And if I need a prescription, it'll come back into my phone. Now, your pricing model seems uh, um, pretty, pretty ambitious. Right? Am I correct? It's about eight pounds per month. Did I read correctly? That's correct. Or you can pay as you go. You pay about uh, 20 or so pounds every time you use a doctor. You, you choose either a subscription model or a pay-as-you-go model. So, so you, uh, you're anticipating some serious scale on, uh, on this uh, app by the, um, by the pricing model, I would imagine. Absolutely. We don't think... Uh, listen, the thing we learned more before this, as I said, I used to run the largest uh, partnership of doctors in Europe. And, and the thing we learned more, and we, we used to also take over hospitals that were not performing very well and turn them around. Uh, uh, and one of the things we learned is how to use doctors productively and efficiently. Uh, it is one of the, uh, if once you get to work in healthcare, it's one of the world's largest 
and last uh, cottage industries. Um, there is very little efficiency, very little productivity. A lot of people who are dissatisfied with their day-to-day -day work of the level of bureaucracy and administration they have to do. And what we've done is we eliminated as much of that as possible for doctors, letting them focus productively at seeing, diagnosing, consulting patients. And as a result, our cost per consultation can dramatically reduce. And we pass that saving straight to the, to the patient. So uh, while we can do that at eight pound, as you said, a month in UK, we are uh, talking in one of the poorest African countries uh, to launch in there, hopefully soon. And in there, we are looking for a couple of dollars a month, uh, if that. Uh, for subscription uh, for our product. Um, and if you think about Amazon, Amazon did this incredibly successfully. There used to be a time that I used to uh, shop at Harrods or Selfridges. Uh, the, the lady who sometimes helps me to clean the house used to shop at uh, one of the uh, value sellers, uh, superstores in UK. But today we both shop at Amazon. And Amazon has completely democratized our access to goods. We may buy different things. Often we buy the same thing, but we certainly buy it from the same place. Uh, and she doesn't need to leave her children to go shopping. Uh, I don't need to leave my children to go shopping. And, and I think we could do that with healthcare. Uh, it shouldn't depend on the size of your pocket. We should all have access to affordable, accessible healthcare. And we can have that if you're smart about how productively we use our doctors. I think in Melbourne, in a, one of our states, Victoria, um, south of Sydney, there was an, a successful initiative. They may, may still have that running where they have some nurse hotline. Uh, I think it might be for mothers only, or I can't remember the exact um, um, sort of um, you know, implementation of it. But um, it was to take pressure off of some of the GPs, etc. And it was very, very successful. So I can imagine in developing countries where there's far more need than there are doctors, an app that can, you know, where 90% of the issues are, are probably what's to a doctor's pretty straightforward common sense and they can hammer through them on an app can really relieve the, um, the healthcare load. And I would imagine that governments would be quite interested in partnering with you to, to get something like, like this going, I would hope. I would hope at least that they are. I, I, you're absolutely right. And I hope that shortly we can make an announcement about a country where uh, has a very progressive, forward-looking government where we are looking at launching Babylon across the whole country. Uh, and, and I hope it will make a fundamental difference uh, to the way people get day-to-day -day healthcare. And, and if you live in Africa or the Middle East or Asia or America, humans are humans. We all have the same needs for healthcare. And most of it is kind of things that a doctor or a nurse from the other side of the line can help with. So um, when, when did you soft launch? Oh, we soft launched uh, in May, uh, okay, so at not, the beginning of May. No, only a few months ago. We still are building some functionalities of our platform. Uh, we will give it a proper push uh, sometimes towards the end of this year. Uh, but, uh, there, but our model is to work with partners to go uh, to help their customers. And I think we've already announced in UK, for instance, uh, that when uh, that we will be launching into the uh, 
uh, into the people who have private medical insurance together with private medical insurers uh, who we have agreed partnerships with. Uh, and we are very proud and privileged to have their trust to deliver the service to their, to their uh, uh, subscribers. Any exciting numbers you can share with us in terms of uh, subscribers or subscriber growth or anything that our, our users tend to love those metrics? Uh, our listeners tend to, 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 to love statistics like that. Um, we, we're not sharing numbers yet. Uh, Fair enough. But uh, part, partly because it is not our numbers. If you wish, is the, the numbers belong to the partners who so graciously right. have given us their customers and it should be their... It should be their joy to announce it when they wish to announce it. And, they, and it's still branded as the Babylon service, even though it's going through the, the private healthcare providers or the insurance companies? Absolutely. We never white uh, label. We always brand it as Babylon because I think you want to know who's delivering your healthcare and you want to trust and like it. And we don't want to, we want to be responsible for what we do. And if you make a mistake somewhere, you should know that we've made that mistake and it shouldn't be hidden under some kind of pseudonym. Uh, Where I see the service really interesting, I almost see your service as a version 1.0, Ali, where um, you know, some of your, your monitoring devices could be linked in with the service and then it becomes a proactive service. So if my Jawbone and my Apple Watch and tracks, tracks everything and then I get a ping or an email or a tweet or whatever it is, a vibrate, and it just says, hey, Kevin, um, actually, there's, there seems to be an issue with your cholesterol or your whatever. I mean, that's where I see healthcare really heading towards this passive type of situation where it picks up something where I don't have to, you know, wait until generally healthcare, you know, by the time we go to the doctor, generally it's, it's, it's things are pretty bad already. The body is quite good at dealing with a lot of nonsense and it's only right at the end. And that's where I really see my vision, I hope, is that's where the, the spirit of technology and healthcare can head towards. You're absolutely right, Kevin. I mean, you got it. It's exactly that. Uh, what we've got is just the beginning. Uh, one of the reasons we haven't hard launched our app yet uh, is because next month we are uh, adding another a functionality we call monitor. We showed it to one of the handset manufacturers who said it's the most comprehensive monitoring system they've ever seen on, on an app. But it doesn't just look at your fitness and your movement, but more importantly, it looks at your, when we launch it, it looks at the health of your liver, your kidneys, your blood, your hormones, your sugar level. Uh, everything that clinically we care about, we're figuring out very, very easy ways for you to very cheaply monitor it almost all the time. We're almost starting, look, if you look at your car, your car used to break down all the time. And when it broke down, you used to take it to a garage. The guy used to take it up, try and figure out what went wrong with it. Today, none of that happens. Your car hardly ever breaks down because we buried so many sensors in your car that it, uh, uh, that, that it tells us when something's going wrong far ahead of the time going, uh, it goes wrong. And when it does break down, when you take it to the mechanic, the guy stick a USB thing into it, and the engine tells us exactly what has been going wrong with it. Uh, we can already do that with our top athletes. One of my clinicians is a physician to one of our Premier League football clubs in here, uh, soccer, I guess you call it. And uh, he knows two to three days ahead of time with 80% accuracy whether a member of the team can play or not. Um, and we can do that with anybody. Mm -hmm. 
today. It's uh, as I guess Bill Gates used to say: the future is already here. It's just badly distributed. Uh, it's our job to use a very well distributed network, the mobile mobile telephony network, to try and deliver that to everybody. But the politics of healthcare, I mean, uh, uh, you know, and that's what I think uh, has been the bottleneck so far. I mean, the the politics of healthcare just seems like a minefield. And I think it's no coincidence that you come from the industry yourself, because as technology people, like, for example, uh, myself and my team, for us to take on these challenges without an in into the politics is incredibly, incredibly difficult. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, your listeners can't see me. I used to be six foot four, blue eyes and blonde hair. And now I look increasingly like Danny DeVito. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's precisely, look, it's, it's an industry that means a lot of good and does a lot of good. But it also has to understand that it has a lot of shortcomings. In Britain, uh, one in five of us cannot see the doctor uh, when we need to. Out of those of us who do, one in eight of us does, uh, gets misdiagnosed. And what, out of those of us who get, misdi- who get diagnosed and treated, uh, 18,000 of us, unfortunately, uh, have a severe um, effect, including dying, because of avoidable mis- mistakes. Uh, and that's in the National Health Service in UK, which in my view is one of the best in the world. You imagine what the rest of the world's healthcare delivery system is like. When you look at a country uh, like what is happening in West Africa today and how a simple infection is getting so out of hand because there is almost nothing available, healthcare system that we have today is exactly what you said, is almost prehistoric, is is version 1.0. The future of healthcare when you look at the trends in technology and how it can merge with the model of delivery of healthcare, the future of healthcare is bright. I'm incredibly optimistic about it, but the only thing that can stop it is our own vested interest in protecting the model that doesn't work. And the first step is for us to be courageous enough to say, in spite of everybody's best efforts, the existing model is too expensive and and two, not fit for purpose. Doesn't scale as well. We've got the technology to help it scale. Well done. Absolutely right. Um, my, my cousin heads up a casualty at a, a hospital in Johannesburg, South Africa. He always had a passion for casualty. And whilst he was studying to become a doctor, we would always have these intense political arguments. And, uh, you know, and I was debating him always about getting doctors into the rural areas, etc. And he would say to me, you know, Kevin, the to improve healthcare in the rural regions of South Africa that they don't need doctors they need water engineers you know getting clean water is 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 going to have far more impact than me and my teams going in there so uh, healthcare is very uh, very complex very political but um, yeah but I think I think there's a coming together soon of technology and and um, healthcare which hopefully will have a, a great impact to those people that need it the most um, Ali Parsa, I really appreciate your time. I know it's early in uh, in London. Are you in London or the, somewhere close by? I am in gorgeous London, yes. You can go, obviously a fan. Well, um, um, I really appreciate you joining us so early in the morning. I've enjoyed talking with you. Really good luck with your app. It's, um, I'm, I'm, it seems fantastic. I wish you all the success. Hopefully, who knows, maybe any plans to 
head down our way some stage or open it up at least to our part of the world? Oh, we, we would love to open it up to, you, to, to Australia. We usually go to any country where we go to, we go in with a well-established local partner. Uh, so uh, if, when and if we find a good partner in Australia, we'll be on our way. Well, maybe someone listening or someone who sees one of my tweets, uh, you know, is connected in and uh, will we'll connect up with you. So I really appreciate your time. I've enjoyed chatting with you. I'm going to follow your progress with great interest. That's incredibly kind of you, Kevin. All the very best. Thanks, Ali. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The It's a Monkey podcast is brought to you by Manage Flitter. With Manage Flitter, you can easily find out who isn't following you back. Find new people to follow, track keywords on Twitter, and schedule tweets for the most appropriate times. Tweet code MONKEY2 at ManageFlitter to receive a one-month free budgie account. Um, Babylon, health apps, GPs. James, I, I would hazard a guess um, you also don't love going to the doctor. I love it. It's just my favorite thing to do. <laughs> no, I um, I definitely put off my uh, consultations <laughs> as long as I possibly can. Yeah, as, as, as men, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about it. Um, we we uh, struggle a little bit more looking after ourselves. What do you think of Babylon? I think it's great. I think it's a, it's a really, really fantastic concept. Um, you know, bringing um, you know doctors' visits into your into your mobile device. I think it makes a it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, particularly. I mean, I'm currently in Canada, and um, you know, one of the interesting things about the health system here is it's um, it's really hard to actually even see a doctor um, because it's all based on um, unless you have like a, a personal doctor. If you want to go into a clinic, you basically have to go in and you have to sit there and you have to wait. There's no other way to actually get in to see a doctor. And so you can, if you go in, you literally have to wait like four or five hours. There's, there's no, no other way to do it. You can go and come back or whatever, but obviously if you're working, it's, it's, it's really hard. Um, and so, you know, if you do need to see somebody and you've got to wait that long period of time, it's really hard to make it work around your life. And obviously you're going to put it off. Um, and the consequence of that is, you know, small issues can become big issues and, um, and cost a lot more in the long run for everybody. Um, so, yeah, so I think, I think anything that can help to make the system more accessible and, and get people closer to doctors, I think, it's, I think it's a fantastic idea. Help health scale, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, and, and I mean, it's interesting the model. They chose a, a different model to the, the Uber type of model. I think there is an app in the States. I think it's called Doctors on Demand, if I'm, um, which is more of an Uber model. Um, mm -hmm. But it's interesting that they hire the doctors, um, you know, and put them onto the app themselves. I mean, obviously controlling the value chain and, and in healthcare may make sense. You know, you get a reputation of having good doctors, good apps, um, but it's interesting that they chose that model as opposed to just letting doctors join, you know, join the platform, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. It is It is very interesting. It will be interesting to see how that scales. Um, I mean, I would imagine... I would imagine that the doctors would make less from this kind of model, which is which is interesting. I don't know how how that works from a business point of view, but um, 
but I mean, maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe it works out better in the long run because they have to spend you know less time on they get they get the information faster and they have to spend less time sort of asking questions and um, and dealing with small things. So yeah, maybe maybe there's some element there. I think I think in two sided markets it's tricky. Like Uber, you know, has to worry about the passenger and has to worry about the drivers. If they hired the drivers, maybe it would be, you know, they wouldn't have to have this whole process around it. So maybe just from a logistics and internal management process, it's also a lot easier. Um, you know, just it sort of turns into a one-sided market in a way um, if they don't have don't have that platform. But um, look, healthcare's. I, I think you know, I can feel healthcare and health tech is just is just bubbling. You know, all the wearables and the big data and and um, it's always the politics in healthcare though. There's a lot of vested interests. Um, you know, there's a lot of incumbents, and I think I think the politics just I know they turn me off, sort of getting involved in in, in tackling the healthcare issues, and um, you know, but but Ali seems to have experience. You know, and that makes sense. He's had, had experience in managing, um, you know, or being involved with uh, clinics, etc. So that makes a lot more sense. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the price point is very competitive, very cheap to sign up for it, and um, you know, hopefully, again, just stimulating stimulating the industry. So uh, hopefully, those four to five hours. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I go to um, you know the doctor. Uh, or, or even you know the barber and and I just sit there thinking there's all this tech available that could just streamline everyone's time but just sitting around and you know still getting phone confirmations for appointments and oh it's just like sometimes it just feels stuck in 1985 yeah definitely yeah yeah I mean it, it requires you know a lot of um a lot of movement in order to, you know, make make these companies and change and and work more efficiently. So yeah, no, I think it's I think it's fantastic what they're doing. I mean, with all of the regulatory barriers, you know, I think they're doing what they can within within the current system. And then obviously, if they can get adoption under these sort of you know limited structures, and they can start pushing out to sort of larger markets and possibly getting some of the regulation change. So yeah, no, I think it's a really smart move that they're they're making going for this approach. So that's it. That's uh, you've been listening to episode forty-eight of the It's a Monkey podcast, James. We're nearly up to fifty episodes. We've done well. Yeah, no, we've, we've stuck it out a while. It's that's if you listened, what would that be? You could listen for how many days straight? Over two days. You're over two, two, days, two days. I mean, maybe if someone's listening and they want to do some charity thing, you know, we'll sponsor them <laughs> and they can sort of take it in shifts. And two of them, they can listen from podcast one to podcast fifty when we reach it, and we'll. You know, if someone's listening and you you're looking for something to do, I don't know, crazy idea, but but you never know. But yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of talking. Yeah, it's, and it's a monkey marathon. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a monkey marathon. So um, uh, we we broadcast this podcast every two weeks. We try to stick to that schedule. So in two weeks' time, if you sign up for the email on the website, you'll get a notification when it's up. We'll also tweet it, um, and uh, please also send us comments questions if you send us a little audio file about one of the topics we can always play it if you have a small business we'll give you a shout out the podcast gets listened to a nice bunch of users um, so um, feel free to uh, drop us a line and we're always happy to 
um, help support other startups. We know how exhausting and stressful and difficult it is. Um, you can probably hear it in James's voice this week that he's a he's a bit tired and he's been dealing with some some managed flitter challenges. Um, you, you know, I sent uh, James. You might have seen it. I sent the team um, a, a, a Cora post about someone who worked at Facebook about some of the the behind the scenes tech at at Facebook. Did you read that? Yeah, I did, yeah. So, you know, we take it very much for granted. Um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google, you know, it's it's the the back end so removed from people that they take it so for granted that these services just work and they work well and they work all the time. And even Manage Flutter, uptime is fantastic. But what they don't see is people like you who just when, you know, putting out fires and dealing with the scaling issues and dealing with the complexity of compounding issues when things scale. And it's, it's, it's tough, really, really um, robust, you know, science and, and hard work behind keeping all these things up. No, no, it's easy. <laughs> 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 well, for you, <laughs> for you, it's easier than sitting in client meetings, right? And listen, and and that, yeah. that drag on. Definitely, yeah. and and having to be a, a um, wear a suit and 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 catch six a.m. flights. So no, but seriously, it's. I mean, there, there's some significant technology um, behind all these services and making sure that they, um, you know, they they run smoothly. Yeah. No, it's incredibly complicated. I mean, it's got a lot better in recent years. You know, there's lots of tools and services now that help you, that help, you know, companies scale and grow. Um, but, um, you know, none of them are complete. And there's always, you know, you just need that one little issue to, to you know, stuff you up and everything can go wrong. And, um, and yeah, sometimes things are sort of held together with a bit of duct tape and prayers. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know what it's yeah. it's like. It's like it's easy to cook for one person. It's easy to cook for two, but to host a whole dinner party or to host three hundred people, even just getting the drinks right and having the right amount of lemons and mineral water becomes an issue and a complicated issue. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's definitely definitely the the problems with scaling large systems. Yeah. So, uh, well, James, I hope you have a a, a good restful weekend and uh, to, you know a bit of a break from all the tech tech world stress. But thanks for joining us. Listening, listen to us uh, in two weeks' time, episode forty nine. But this has been episode forty eight, um, and uh, the date is Friday, the seventeenth of October. We appreciate you listening. Share the word, and we'll uh, see you in two weeks' time. Have a good one.